hello and welcome to Voice of the Parrot. I'm your host Shasta Ray and I am joined in the studio by some houseplants. I don't have anyone in the studio with me tonight. Oh my goodness. I thought maybe I would just sneak down here. Murray is upstairs watching the Andy Griffith show with all the budgies and the giant dog is upstairs rolling around on the floor somewhere. So I don't probably have to worry about him snoring. And yeah, I thought I would just hang out with you guys directly tonight. How's that sound? So I have a really fun show lined up. I hope it's informative. I hope you have a lot of fun with it. But first, I'm going to tell you about some really exciting announcements. I am so happy about this. Oh my gosh. I have had nothing but technical difficulties, it seems like. I don't know why I attract that. But I am learning, and I'm, I'm learning the ropes, and I'm getting there, and I'm referring to my Etsy shop. I don't know what happened. Something happened with it, and it was a technical problem on the other end, and I've had it in vacation mode for a while now. I do apologize for that, but it wasn't working. It wasn't letting me put new products in there, and then it wasn't letting me update stuff. So I had to work with tech support for a while, and they finally figured it out. They didn't tell me what it was, but they said, oh, we, we figured it out. And I can't even remember when the problem started. I think it was in December, so I know it's been offline for a while. At any rate, if you go to the headquarters website, voiceoftheparrot.com. I do have a products page with some links. That Etsy link now works. And if you go to Etsy directly, there's two ways to look me up on Etsy. First off is to just put in Voice of the Parrot with no spaces in between. So Voice of the Parrot, all one word. And that will bring up a choice for, are you looking for the shop Voice of the Parrot? You can do that. You can go there directly with my link, voiceoftheparrot.etsy. Dot com. That'll take you there directly. Or you can just do a search for regular old voice of the parrot with spaces between all the words. I've put search tags on all of my products with voice of the parrot so that if you just type in voice of the parrot and you put spaces in it like most people tend to do, it's going to bring up all my stuff and then you'll have it all there and you can find my shop really easy to click on that way. So have fun with that. And while you're there, oh my goodness, use promo code PARROT20. That's P-A-R-R-O-T and then the number two and the number zero. And that's going to give you 20% off your entire order. If you go over $35, you're also going to get free shipping. Yay, isn't that fun? I have some really cool stuff going on. If you want to support the podcast and get yourself something really cool in the process, that's the way to do it. Unfortunately, that's limited mostly just to the United States and Canada. So for all of you in other countries, I am in a very short amount of time, hopefully in the next upcoming month or so, I should have voiceoftheparrot.shop up and running. Oh my goodness. And that allows me to sell to more countries. Now, if you're in another country, be aware shipping is calculated appropriately, but they do have really good prices on shipping through that particular application that I'm using. The products are amazing. I've been experimenting with it a little bit and playing with it with another website that I'm putting out there, totally unrelated to birds, but it has been fun learning and I'm coming up with some really solid designs that I'm really happy with. 
So back to Etsy, I've got t-shirts, sweatshirts, just starting with sweatshirts. I'm going to have hoodies pretty soon. And the brand name I'm using, I have decided to go with the Gildan Soft Style 64,000 t-shirt and the 18,000 and 18,500 sweatshirts hoodies. So they're really good brands, really good quality. People know them and it puts out a really good product with my designs on it. The team shirts, those are specific to my flock. So I've got Zoltan and Aggie and Cricket and Moose Moose, all of them. Murray, I don't have Bug yet. I got to get him his own t-shirt. Now Zoltan, he started it all. So he has a little bit elevated of a price. The more print locations you do on a piece of apparel, the higher the price. And that just comes with the territory. There's more work involved. So with Zoltan's, if you want to give a shout out to his fan base in Zimbabwe, there is no better way to show your love to Zimbabwe than ordering yourself a Team Zoltan shirt. Because on the front, you're going to be saying you're part of Team Zoltan. And when you're walking away, they're all going to see your love for Zimbabwe because I've got nose boops for Zimbabwe on the back. Oh my gosh, how much fun is that? So go check that out. And if you want to show your support, that is the best way. I've also got tote bags and keychains on the way, desk mats. I have some incredible blankets, tumblers. The tumblers are amazing. Those are one of my favorites. The quality is top notch. They will tell you on there, do not put them in the dishwasher. But I've put mine through the dishwasher dozens of times and it still looks brand new. So they've got a really good process. I found a wonderful production partner that does all my work for me and I make all the designs. So go check that out. And if there's anything anyone wants or you've seen something else that you would like on a shirt, hit me up at voiceoftheparrot at gmail.com. Let's talk about it because I can do custom work too, but I just have not put that on Etsy yet. So I can do anything you want that way. The nice thing about the upcoming website is that here again with Etsy, sometimes the, the technology causes issues. Sometimes Etsy's algorithms will just shut a person's store down and it'll be a false infraction. I've had a lot of friends that that's happened to. So that's the reason I am going to be opening a standalone website for that. Plus, the standalone website, once I have that up and operational, it's going to allow for memberships, which is a lot like the Patreon kind of a thing, but it's going to be a way that you can show your support and I won't have the huge percentage. I think Patreon takes like 15% away from the creator. I won't have that going on. So anyway, that's going to be some options. I'll be able to offer some fun stuff that way. So that's that's on the horizon, and I'm very excited about it. Yay! All right, so what do I have in store for tonight? I have a really fun episode lined up. Good birds and bad words. Bet you thought I was talking about curse words, right? <laughs> I'm not. What I want to do is help all you guys out there. I have been seeing this for years and years and years before I ever got birds. Believe it or not, I used to be the public relations officer for the American Tarantula Society, and I saw it with the tarantula hobby too. There are some terms that people interchange as if they're the same, and that could not be further from the truth. They are not interchangeable terms, but we're really not taught to know the difference these days. 
And if you say anything in a Facebook group, oh my gosh, you get blasted for insulting the person by correcting their verbiage, and they won't change. So I'm hoping everyone out there listening to this has an open mind, wants to turn into a little bit of a science geek for a little bit here, and let's learn a little bit, because I stand by the fact if you get any animal, no matter what it is, you need to research that animal, make sure it's a good fit for your life, and then also make sure that you have the ability to provide appropriate care for it. Learn all you can about that animal that you want to keep because it's really easy to go into a pet store and make an impulse purchase. They want to make sales. I would like to really discourage people from doing that. It perpetuates a lot of bad stuff going on out there and you're going to learn bad verbiage and bad habits and bad care in pet stores because they're trying to sell you stuff. And that's the bottom line. They're just trying to sell you stuff so that you come back and get another one later. So let's all let's all take the attitudes down a notch. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad if you've been using any of these terms and these words incorrectly, but it's always in your best interest to know what it is you're talking about. So what am I talking about? We're going to talk about captive bred versus domesticated. We're going to talk about species versus breed. And we're going to talk about tame versus domesticated. And these terms are always interchanged and used in place of each other, and they don't mean the same at all. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. So let's start off by the big one. What does domesticated mean? Domestication is when humans selectively breed animals to make them tamer and more docile, and they are usually made created for the purpose of serving humans in some capacity. It may not be for pets. So generally speaking, they serve us in some way. There is a reason that they were domesticated. And what it means is that they have been genetically modified on purpose. An animal born in captivity is simply captive bred. They are bred and born in captivity. It does not mean they're domesticated it's still technically a wild animal. When it comes to parrots, they are wild animals. There are no breeds of parrots. I hate to tell you that, people. And I know there's some people out there that are probably going to be really angry for me saying this because you use the word all the time. Well, breeds look different, right? There's different breeds of dogs. There's different breeds of cats. So parrots look different. They're parrots. They got to be different breeds, right? No. No, 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 no. They are different species. So let's talk about that for a second. When you have your domesticated animals that we just talked about, sometimes that can take thousands and thousands of years. Some animals can be genetically modified in a shorter span of time. There's some foxes out there that they're working on domesticating, and they're able to manipulate that by selective breeding these animals together. And they they pick animals that have very specific traits. They're born and it's like, oh, I want to reproduce that trait and make it better. And they keep doing this over generations and generations and generations. So then you end up with a domesticated animal. And, And with that said, let's just jump into tame versus domesticated for just a second. Because taming means a behavior has been modified of an individual animal. 
So let's just say you have a captive bred animal and you raise it from a tiny little infant animal and you're modifying its behavior to interact with you and not be aggressive towards you in many cases. Most of the time, that's the purpose of it. But we're taming it so we can interact with it a lot more safely. A lot of times, the bigger the animal, and if it's a predator type, they're going to still have those wild instincts and everything. They're still wild, okay? Domestication differs from taming. It is a permanent genetic modification of a bred lineage that leads to, among other things, a heritable predisposition towards human association. So here again, we breed them and we create domesticated versions of the wild version to serve us in some way. And by the time they are domesticated, they are genetically different than the original animal they were created from. So a good example of that is a wolf and a common domesticated dog. Okay, Dogs come from wolves. They're very similar to wolves, but they're a different animal now. And that took thousands of years. So then what am I talking about with species versus breed? A breed is a collection of organisms within a species that have different characteristics as a result of selective breeding. And the example I'll give to you of that is like a German shepherd dog versus a chihuahua or a Rottweiler versus a schnauzer. Those are breeds within the species of dog. Canis lupus is the species. Most of the time, different breeds within the same species can interbreed with each other and produce offspring. We all know about mutts, okay? But here again, they're still the same species. So even if they look radically different, they're a domesticated animal that has variants. When it comes to species, a species is a group of creatures that can breed to generate viable offspring, and sometimes you can get very closely related species that are close enough in relation that they can produce offspring, but the offspring's not going to be as healthy. A lot of times the offspring's called a mule. I know there's a creature called a mule, but a hybrid of two different species is often called a mule, and they usually cannot produce offspring, generally speaking. There are some exceptions. We're not going to dive into that. But at any rate, species is very specific. Species interbreed with species, same thing, and produce the same kind of offspring. Domesticated mammals. We're going to talk about the mammals for just a second here. Examples of domesticated mammals, and this is not a complete list. It's just some of the popular ones. We've got dogs, cats, cattle, pigs, hamsters, guinea pigs, goats, horses, Ferrets, mink, yes, mink are domesticated. You can't keep them as pets. Please don't try. But they were bred selectively until they were different from their ancestors for the fur industry. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying what happened. So domesticated mink are about three times the size of their cousins in the wild. And they were bred here again for fur and they wanted them bigger so that they could get more fur per animal when they decide to make them into something. I have met people in the past that kept mink as pets, and they're still very much like their wild an ancestors. They're not good pets, and they can be very, very dangerous. 
So please don't get the idea that because certain animals are domesticated, you can just go get one and keep it in your house. It's not going to be the ideal thing. There are domesticated birds. They are not parrots, but domesticated birds include, not limited to, but include chickens, turkeys, ducks, geese, pigeons, guinea fowl, and, are you ready for this, canaries, and certain types of finch. Uh, I think the society finch is actually a domesticated finch, officially. Now, there is one parrot that is very, very close to being domesticated. It is not officially recognized as domesticated yet. I think it's close, and I have one. (laughs) I do. That would be Bug. He is an exhibition English budgie. And they have been selective bred for enough decades and enough generations now that they are nothing, nothing like the original budgies. They have a lot of the same characteristics and you can get the same color patterns and a lot of things, but they have a radically different size, a radically different appearance, and a radically different personality. Bug is my dream bird. I love exhibition budgies. They are wonderful. You want a little pet that's really smart and really calm and going to be very interactive with you? That's the way to go. Get one that is kind of, I call it the scratch and dent bin. There are people that go to the breeders that are working on breeding show birds, and some of them that just don't make the grade for reproduction or for show They may not have the look they're looking for, so they don't want to breed them again. They end up in this kind of pet quality category, and people buy them and sell them for pets. And that's how I got Bug. Now, a lot of people disagree with that. People will hate on you for buying an English budgie. But honestly, they're as close to a domesticated parrot as you're going to get. And I love that little guy. I had him tame, hand tame. He had never really been handled as a pet. He was close to two years old when I got him, and he was stepping up for me in a matter of ten minutes. And I carry him around. He sits on my shoulder. I kiss his little head. He's poofy. He lets me give him neck scratches, all sorts of stuff. He loves it. Try that with a regular budgie. Not going to (laughs) happen. They don't like being touched. Don't even try. So anyway, that's your little version of a a domesticated parrot that you're going to get as of of right now. Now, they are saying that cockatiels are actually on their way to domestication. They're a ways off yet. And by that, it could be decades and decades. They are not domesticated, but they're a wonderful, wonderful pet. And that's why people are working on that. Now, let's take a little bit of a sidestep and talk about hybridization hybridization is between two species that are closely related enough that they can produce offspring. That does not mean in the parrot-keeping communities that we should be dabbling in this. It has consistently produced offspring with health issues, and they aren't as long-lived. They can have all kinds of disorders that shorten their lives and cause deformities and all sorts of stuff. One example of that would be the harlequin macaw. The first generation, when they're hybridized, and they're a hybrid between a green-winged macaw and a blue and gold macaw. Those two macaws, all macaws, they look kind of similar. They have different colors, this and that. They're different species of birds. They're not breeds. (laughs) Please don't say that. And 
they can produce offspring that are very, very beautiful. Everyone's seen those those harlequin macaws. Oh my gosh, they're so gorgeous, right? Not domesticated, they're a hybrid. They're just two different species that are able to produce an offspring, and those harlequins are the offspring. But here's the problem. The first and second generation of these hybrids usually goes pretty okay. So you get the first generation, you're going to have an okay bird. Sometimes you can get a male harlequin to mate with a female harlequin and produce viable offspring. So you'll have a second generation. By the time you're getting to the third and fourth generation, they become absolutely sterile. So they're mules, technically. And they have weird-shaped heads, ugly coloring, internal organ problems. They just keep getting worse in their health issues and their appearance. So it's not a good thing. It's not encouraged. It's not cool. It's not a good thing. Don't do it. You may find some hybrid macaw breeders and they're going to be all about it because they're selling them and they're enthusiastic about it because they're doing it. It doesn't mean that we should be. So personally, I would stay clear of them if you find a, a harlequin or something that needs a home, it's it's in a rescue or whatever, I wouldn't turn my back on those. I would always give a bird a chance in that capacity if I was looking for that type of bird, but I would not encourage this. Um, we just don't understand enough about the species that we do have and that we're keeping as pets. They're relatively new with humans keeping them in our homes when it comes down to it. Now, some people may sit out there and go, yeah, we've been doing it for over 100 years now. They should be domesticated. It should be okay. Blah, blah, blah. But it's that's a drop in the bucket for the amount of time that it can take to really understand a species and then come up with a domestication process. Leave it to the professionals and to the people that know what they're doing with it. Please don't try to do this on your own. And it is very frowned upon. There was someone in, somebody in one of the Facebook groups I'm in a number of months ago, and they were asking if anyone had ever heard of a specific crossbreed of two different types of conure uh, hybrid, and they had adopted it, and it was being abused or something in that direction. And they were very well aware that it was a hybrid, and they tried to make it very clear that they rescued this bird from a very bad situation, an abusive situation, and everyone lit into this person for having perpetuated it. And she's like, no, I didn't hatch this bird. I did not make this bird. I did not do the crossbreeding of the two species. I rescued it from a bad situation. It would have died in the care that it was in. So if you do run across somebody that has a hybrid, don't bust their chops. They may I mean, ask questions before you do that. That's not cool. But the whole point to this is really it's not to get into, you know, should we or should we not do hybrids? Uh, that's obviously a no in my opinion. But please learn the terminology. I hear it all the time. Oh, what breed of parrot do you have? None. There's no breeds of parrots. <laughs> they just don't exist. We don't have domesticated parrots. So they are species. And what that means to you is that you should learn all you can about the bird that you adopt. Even if it's a little budgie from a pet store. Learn about it. Learn about the diet you should be giving it for optimal health and longevity. All too often we go to a pet store and the salesperson, they're, they're trained to say what they, they're saying. 
They're trained to sell you the stuff they're selling. And they're going to tell you, oh yeah, you can keep this little tiny bird in this tiny little cage and you only need to get it out half an hour a day or an hour a day. And here, feed it bird seed. Don't let your research stop with the purchase because I have been to those pet stores and they gave me that advice and that is very, very wrong. If you're really, really into the bird or the animal, whatever that animal is, be it a dog, a bird, a parrot, a bunny, anything, learn about it, go online, make sure that it is a good fit for your life and a good fit for you and you're going to be happy with it, sharing space with it. And then be aware that you need to do all you can to keep that animal as happy as possible. We've got Google. We've got books. There's YouTube. Take everything with a grain of salt and make sure that you check many resources for your information so that you know you're getting good information. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean the person that put it there is knowledgeable. So do your research. Talk to some breeders. Okay, talk to rescues, talk to people that are highly knowledgeable. If you're not going to feed it properly and you don't want to indulge in getting it a wide variety of vegetables and things that's really going to make it thrive well and, and add to its good health and help keep it in good health, don't get it. Go do some volunteer work at a rescue or something until you're really ready to take the responsibility on. Because here again, it's a big responsibility. They rely on us for everything. Not just birds, dogs, cats, any kind of animal you get. It is in your best interest to learn all you can. And that includes the nomenclature. The bad words and the good words. Use all the good words. And use them in context properly. Then we learn from each other and we perpetuate true knowledge. Instead of guesswork and assumptions and just plain old bad information, don't go there. So the takeaway is, you ready? The takeaway for this episode, species and breed are not interchangeable. Don't interchange them. They do not mean the same thing. Captive bred and domesticated, not the same thing. Not interchangeable. Tame and domesticated. Not interchangeable. <laughs> Not the same thing. There's a guy out there on YouTube, and I can't remember what his channel is, but he has a coyote that he rescued as a baby. He lives kind of outside of town. He has a property he lives on. He has a dog. He has cats. And he, this little coyote showed up and needed some help, and he had no intention of really interacting with it, but he didn't want it to die. So he provided some food, and it lives outdoors, but it is tame. It is not domesticated, and it's not the same as a pet. But its behavior has been modified as a result of interacting with it. It is tame. It lets him pet it. It plays with the guy's dog. It plays with the guy's cat. It hangs out with his family. It will come in and out of the house, and it's potty trained. It knows to go outside and do its business. It doesn't live in the house, but it comes in on occasion. It's He's got a really interesting channel. He's a lot of fun. And I, here again, I don't even know what the name of the channel is to pass that along. But that's a good example of how it could really be confusing as a viewer to think that coyotes are very easily tamed. They're not. His was a very unique situation. 
And then he found a raccoon, but that's part of his little gang also. And it was found as a baby, and he's interacted with it enough that it's relatively tame. But here again, still a wild animal. Parrots are wild birds. They're going to be wild birds long after you're gone. They're not going to be domesticated anytime soon. So please treat them as the wild birds they are and understand they are very social. They're very smart. And that's why they work for us as pets. That's why we can keep wild animals in our house in perfect harmony most of the time. But that doesn't give you a license to just be lazy about it. So learn all you can. Turn into a little bit of a science nerd and have fun learning about your pets. Oh my gosh, you have everything to gain for doing this. It's a wonderful time and you're going to live better with them and they're going to be happier for it too. So I hope you had a little bit of fun learning today. I had fun doing all the research and maybe I can find a science person out there somewhere. Is there a science person out there somewhere? Maybe I can find a science person out there that can give us kind of the nuts and bolts on what a species is versus a genus and all that. So um, when it comes to the hybridization and the natural selection that goes on in the wild that produce different species over time, that comes from very closely related species within a genus. And there's a whole order of how animals are classified and characteristics and stuff. So maybe I can find someone that can help with that. But my first experience in this, going back to the American Tarantula Society, within the hobby of keeping tarantulas, and I don't have any anymore. I've, I've been a, a number of years without tarantulas. I still love them though. They're wonderful little space aliens to keep. But you heard that all the time. Oh, what breed of tarantula is that? Oh, what breed of scorpion is that? None. <laughs> Not a breed. Okay, so they are species and they are their own unique thing. So appreciate them. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I hope you're all having fun with your birds out there. I hope I gave you a little bit of momentum to go have fun and interact with them and keep them as tame as possible. And in fact, when you tame your birds, they can learn tricks, they can learn to talk, they can learn to interact with you in ways that other animals can't, and they are just so unique, and that's why we love them so much. So with that said, I think I'm going to stop here. I'm going to get this edited so I can get it out in everybody's eardrums, and I will catch you next time. Have a great one, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>